Hey, Corner Office listeners, you can find us streaming on all platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or check out the link in our bio and our Instagram page at the Corner Office Pod. Now enjoy this episode brought to you by Anchor. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode four of the Corner Office. As always, I'm Alex Penders. I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Byrne. What's up, Jack? What's going on, listeners? Welcome back. Yeah, so we got a really good episode coming up for you today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Game and some college basketball. We're going to do our pick And then we have a really good interview later on with uh, Jack's high school soccer coach of the NYA State Championship Class D main boys soccer team uh, with Brandon Nolkamper. And we're going to talk some Premier League and a little bit of um, Champions League a little bit later. So, you know, we got a really banger segment coming up and, um, you know, hope you guys stick around. Yeah, that's definitely one you won't want to miss. All right, so let's so, just, let's let's dive right in. Um, the All Star Game was bad, as it normally is, but the one bright spot was Mac McClung, and the only question I've been left with is, is he the flyest white boy in America right now? I think there's no denying it. It's I, really, I really hard to argue. There's any denying it. Look, it was Austin Reeves for a while when he was when he was doing some stuff with the Lakers. And then even before him, um, it was probably like Alex Caruso for a bit. But now I think we got to we gotta throw their, my boy Max some love. Um, for, all, for all of our, you know, our hoop heads out there, I mean, I think that we knew that Mac McClung was special when it came to the dunk contest, you know, from the balls, life mixes and the hoop tapes and all that type of stuff. Um, but, I mean, look, he killed it out there. And, you know, he may have revived the dunk contest for one more year. Yeah, and I think it's no secret that the dunk contest and really all-star skills day, whatever it's called, is on its way skills out. Skills challenge, yeah. Yeah, it's on its way out. It just hasn't really been entertaining for the f- past few years, and there's no stars. So there's really no point in even watching if you're not getting to watch the all-stars who are actually in the tournament getting to play. Right, which is, which is too bad because, I mean, I think that everybody – you know, their ideal situation is that you want to watch the star players, you know, that you buy a ticket to go see, participate in some of the bigger events. And the fact that they don't do that anymore is kind of disheartening. Um, and it's too bad for the league um, because, you know, I mean, like, I think we would all love to see Zion Williamson and John Morant and LeBron James in the dunk contest and all that type of stuff. But we know now that that'll never happen. So that's too bad. But I also just don't see you know, the skills tournament or the dunk contest continuing for more years because, I mean, it's been such a colossal failure some, like, for the past couple of years. Well, and, you know. And dunking on a hoop regularly is very difficult. But once you start doing tricks and things, it gets even harder, and eventually you're going to run out of things that you can do. And the creativity has been lacking in the past couple of years, to say the least. And it's just not as much fun to watch anymore as it once was. And yeah, I think that that's a byproduct of not having stars in it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly gotten gimmicky over the past couple of years. You know, you think of, like, Gerald Green blowing out a candle on a cupcake and, like, Cole Anthony dunking in Yadas and, like, all that type of stuff. And it's like, all right, like, you know, we get it. You guys are out of ideas and we're trying to do things. Like, Jalen Green dunked with an NFT around his neck last year. Like, that's just stupid. Like, what, like... um. So I don't really see it continuing for more years than maybe one or two after this one because of just how electric Mac McClung was. And, um, you know, 
that's too bad because it's been a staple of All-Star Weekend for a while, but I honestly think that All-Star Weekend needs a really big overhaul. So, I mean, I don't know if you have any ideas or anything like that, but I mean, we got well, starting with the game itself. itself. Yeah. The game's just not fun to watch anymore. It's like sure all the best players are out there, but they're not actually playing a game. They're just shooting the ball from half court over and over again. And being a Celtics fan, obviously I'm happy to see Jason Tatum set the points record and get MVP. But what does that mean? Yeah, I mean it means nothing. It's it's a it's a joke award. You know, I mean like us like we had we had a bit, you know, to to go off of because we got to see the Jalen Brown versus Jason Tatum matchup that was pretty fun to watch and like, you know, they literally played 1v1. But like it's a five-man game. Like what are we playing 1v1 basketball for? Well, if we're going to play 1v1 basketball, why don't we just make that the theme of the tournament? Why don't we just have a 1v1 tournament and see all the best players go up against each other? And if yeah, not 1v1, no. 3v3? I think that, that that would be a fantastic addition. I just think that like a lot of NBA players would not be down for that because, I mean, look, you you stand to gain a lot by winning games of 1v1. But more so than that, you stand to lose a lot. Um, and I think Spencer Dinwiddie kind of summed it up the best is that, like, in in that type of situation, like, if you beat somebody in a 1v1 game, um, then you can forever say that you're a better basketball player than them, even if you're not a better 5-on-5 basketball player than them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's valid. It, but, like... 1v1s are what we always wanted to see, though. You know what I mean? Like, as a fan of the NBA, like, a 1v1 tournament is just, like, so tantalizing. Like, it's something that, like, you just, you want, you want to see. Okay, so here's my solution. To what? Keep the, the five on, tournament? to, no, five to on bringing five. the all-star game back. Okay. Keep it five on five. Yeah. Separate into East Eastern Conference and Western Conference. And right. do no, it just like I baseball. Think... Do it just like baseball where they're playing for home field advantage in the finals. So the mm-hmm. winner of the winning conference gets home field advantage in the finals. That way, everybody's out there playing for something that they genuinely want to win in. And it's all the best players in the league going at it. Um, you know, like it's a very competitive game between all the best players, which is what we all want to see in an all-star game. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. and That's not something that I would have thought of. Um, I don't really watch the MLB All-Star game because I'm not a huge baseball guy. And I know that you are and that you love the MLB All-Star game, but I didn't even know that that's how they did that. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, that's really – that's really – that's a really good take, I would say. Um, I think splitting it back to East and West is a, is a something that's going to have to happen. Um, look, the the – the Giannis drafts a team and LeBron drafts a team for 45 minutes thing, I think is just kind of stupid. Um, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not, it's not why we're there. We're not there to watch two of the best players in the league draft basketball teams. We're there to watch the best basketball players play basketball. So, I mean, I hope that that's, you know, kind of cooling off a bit and, you know, going back to East and West, like, they can probably go back to the to the throwback way that their jerseys used to be, which is what I've always wanted to see, which is that, like, you wear your home jersey or your away jersey based off of the year um, instead of having, like, a mandatory all-star game jersey. Like, I think that that would be cool, too. Yeah, it would be awesome to see. Just to, like, not have it be a waste of a weekend. Yeah. You know, to, just to bring it back. Because I used to get excited to watch the all-star game, but now it's just kind of lost its spark 
I mean, it's been like that for a couple of years. And, you know, I think that that's the best way that I could think of would be to incentivize it a bit. And, um, you know, I think that that's a, that's a really cool take. Yeah. So let's transition now. Let's talk some college basketball. Yeah. Um, for those of you who have not been keeping up with or who did not maybe listen to the last episode, every week the two of us will be picking one player each to play in one game, and we will be counting their player points, which is points, assists, and rebounds. And we are going to be keeping track until the end of the season. And you, once you've chosen a player, you cannot choose them again. And last week, I went a little risky, and I chose Wake Forest guard Tyree Appleby, who only left me with 26 player points. And, you know, it was a little risky, but he was coming off a big week where he was putting up big numbers, and I thought that he would keep it rolling into the weekend. And, you know, he, 26 is all right, but it's nothing compared to what you put up this week. Yeah, I mean, Tyree Appleby was a good pick, but certainly a player that was under the radar coming in. Um, I think that, you know, you probably could have gotten him a little bit later on in the pick em, um in the pick'em order and that like some of the more, you know, national player of the year candidates are guys that are going to have to come off the board first. Um, so, you know, I went with a guy last week who I thought was going to give me a big week and he did. And that was Trace Jackson Davis. He got me 40 player points with, um, I don't remember his numbers off the top of my head. But he had, he had 26 points, points two 12, assists, rebounds, 12 rebounds and two assists. Yeah. Okay. So 40 player points for, for Trace Jackson Davis, which puts me in the lead by 14 player points coming into this week. So Jack, that means that you have the first pick this week and I'd like to know what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I really hate to make this pick because I don't like watching this player. I probably won't watch this game, but I just need to get a lot of points and a lot of rebounds before he gets taken off the board. And I'm going to go with, as much as I hate to say it, I'm taking Zach Eady. You're taking Zach Eady? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't want to, but I have to in order to win. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good pickup. Um, he's certainly a fantastic player. And, you know, he's probably the national player of the year at this point. Could easily put up 50 player points next week. Um, so that's, yeah, you're going to have to get yourself back into the game. I don't hate that pick at all. What game are you taking for them? Who are they playing? Um, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, okay, they play Maryland on Saturday, and that's the game I'm going to take. Okay. Okay, good Wait. pick. Good pick. Hold on, hold on. No, I lied. They play Indiana on Saturday, and that's the game I'm going to take. They play Indiana on Saturday, and that's the game that you're going to take. Correct. Indiana, Saturday, lock it in. Jack Byrne has Zach Eady on Zach his team. Zach Eady. Okay. Jack and Zach, baby. <laughs> I like it. I like the pick. I think that it's safe, um, which is something that you're going to need, you know, coming in off a, off a kind of a down week for you. And, um, you know, I don't hate it at all. I don't hate it at all. I think that that's a good pick. Um and yeah, we'll see how that we'll see how that shakes out come the weekend. For me, um, I was thinking a couple of different options here um, of guys that I wanted to take, and you know, you throwing Zach Eady out there, um, you know, it 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 
it kind of sends me in some a couple of different directions, but I think that I'm just going to go with my with what my initial pick was, and that was um, I'm going to take Keontae George from Baylor against Texas on Saturday. He's a big game player. He's played fantastic in some of these big games that we've seen, and I think that he's really going to show up against Texas and get them a win. Yeah, and that's definitely a game where he needs to show up if they're gonna if they're gonna get a win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not. He's not a dominant rebounding force or anything like that. Um, you know, the way that Zach Eadie could get you a bunch of points in a short period of time. But, look, I trust the fact that he's a dominant scorer and could get a couple assists here and there and probably get me 25 or so player points. All right. With that being said, those are our pick and players of the week. Now we're going to kick it over to ourselves in our interview with Brandon Nolkamper. And here we are. We are lucky enough to be joined with my head coach, Brandon Nolkamper, state champion head coach, Brandon Nolkamper. Yeah. How are you doing, guys? So eventually we're going to get into some Premier League stuff. We're going to talk about the soccer world. But if you want to just intro yourself real quick, you know who you are, give your credentials, and talk about the fact that we're state champions. Because if the people <laughs> who are out there listening don't know – we are both state champions. Yeah, so I'm a full-time soccer coach with uh, Seacoast United. I've been doing it for around nine years. Um, primarily coached on the girls' side uh, my whole life. Right after college, I got into one-year coaching at Bates College, then went to University of Southern Maine, the women's program. Then went to Maine Maritime Academy for three or four years. Decided to come back more, more Southern, I guess, and closer to home coached at Morse high school for four years and you know thought I was going to take take a break from coaching high school soccer in the fall and um an opportunity presented itself with actually another school I won't I won't talk about that I interviewed with um that actually turned me down and ironically an hour later I got the message from Kelsey Ross at NYA do you want to come coach you know the boys program here and I hadn't coached boys in years so I really wasn't sure what to expect and then you know, one thing led to another, and here, you know, here we are, state champs. Champs, baby. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a great, great season, man. I, I had a lot of fun. I think, you know, there's a lot of un- unknowns, uncertainties in stepping in because I think, you know, the school had kind of, you know, they, they're rowdy, they're loud. You know, you've, you've got a couple kids with some big personalities, and obviously, you know. They weren't going to say Jack, but they were Jack. <laughs> and, and, and it was, you know, you know how, you know, you just need to keep them in line a little bit. And I think, you know, right off the bat, it wasn't, they're not bad kids. They just want to, they just want to be heard. They just want to be loud. They just want to be We had noise to make and we want people remember, to listen. Yeah. Well, now the whole state, the oh, whole state's heard. Oh, they've us, heard. They've right? heard. It's, it's cross borders. As the only person <laughs> who's not a state champion within this call, I will say that when we were talking after the game was over, when I was at Jack's house and he was like, oh yeah, I was fully willing to rip off my jersey after I scored. I was like, man, I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I just want that. you to give some validity to the fact that the day before the state championship, I told you, look, look, if I score tomorrow, coach, I'm taking my shirt off. And you were like, all right. And I tried and my okay. fat neck did not allow me to take my shirt off. <laughs> I, I will never forget because I've shared this this part of the story, you know, our whole the whole journey this season's had. 
um, with a lot of my colleagues kind of asking, like, you know, how did, you know, you guys look like you have so much fun when you play. And I said, I remember having that team meeting with them and looking them dead all in the eyes and just saying, like, you know, who can grit? <laughs> I remember like that's a good camp for the whole for first the whole day of the season. Literally the first and day. And I was like, and I'm like, we're going to celebrate every goal like we're about to die in 10 minutes. Like it's going to be the last thing that we that's do is fantastic. score this goal. And we went out and trained that day. And we scored. And I screamed, doesn't count. We didn't celebrate. That's true. That's and true. then I think someone scored. Someone, someone scored. And Seamus was not a part of the play whatsoever. And all of a sudden, I see Seamus. No, it was it was Seamus. No, Seamus. Seamus scored the goal, and so we were playing like this, like we were playing like this small sided game. It was like a three team scoring game, and there was literally no goalie. All you had to do was kick the ball into the net, and Seamus was sitting right in front of the goal. He had like a chance to like win the game or whatever, and he was probably eight inches away from the goal, kicked the ball up to himself and headed it in, and then had like he took his shirt off in front of like a bunch of like little lower schoolers, like a bunch of small children and started like running around <laughs> screaming, <laughs> like whipping his shirt over his head, like an absolute madman. And it was to see with 12 people All, chasing him. No everybody guy. from every team started chasing him, even though we just lost. Well, and then we had the, um, and then we had that scrimmage that next weekend that like that Saturday. <laughs> and I said the same thing, right? If we scored, I'm not going to let the ref count it. I'm going to call it off sides or something like that. Like if, we're not going to yeah. count the goals. And then we, we had like and we, we five goals six that game. <laughs> <laughs> we went, we, we ran to the corner flag. We did everything, <laughs> like everything wild. Right. And, and I think just from that moment on, like it was just, that's just who we are. Like I, I remember, you know, my grandmother had come to a bunch of games this year and she's like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> and, and, she's and right just, too. We have some yeah. crazy guys on that team. But, but, and she's like, but you just have, look like you guys have so much fun when you score. And I mean, I think the very first game she went to was, was Grey New Gloucester, which happened to be, you know, down a goal with three minutes left in, in the regulation. And we tied it and then won it two minutes in overtime. And, you know, both goals, I mean, we, were in, we had a big crowd for, for what we have at the school. And both and goals ran to the crowd and celebrating went crazy. It was senior night. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, even in. I mean, just everything we did was just like you could tell that brought the group together a lot was just having fun and celebrating all the goals. And I don't think I think there's kind of a stigma around that where it's like, you know, it, it's frowned upon in a little bit. And I could I could see why people would say that, but it's also the name of the game. Right. It, it makes no sense to score a goal and just jog back with your team. Well, and, and not enjoy. And I was moment. told that I mean, it became a problem. Like I had school officials coming up to me more than once being like, hey, you need to stop celebrating like that because it looks bad on the school. And I was like, I, I was literally like, I've got three games left to play in my career. I'm going to celebrate however I want to. And then I came you, up to you later that day. I was like, I'm taking my shirt off. You and school officials really haven't had the best relationship this year, right? Um, no comment. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, from, a, from an outsider's perspective, I only saw one game and that was the state championship game where you guys won two to one. Um, and within that, you know, we mentioned Seamus Rody before, but he'd had shaved a massive W into his chest. <laughs> so I don't think that we can just breeze past that as well. No, look, look, yeah. it's confidence, no, I man. Love it. And we talked about that all year, right? Like, I think Jack first meeting, what were the two words I wanted us to play by every every day? Every day we're out there. Um, oh, boy. I don't. They were? 
<laughs> oh man. Oh wait, it was confidence and like relentless or something like that. Yeah, be relentless, be confident, confident, relentless yeah, yeah, yeah. in all of our actions. And, and we were. Seamus putting that W in his chest. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You just, you have to be confident in everything. And um, you know, it was it was just I think the feeling on getting on the on the bus every playoff game was just like we're gonna we're gonna do it. It's just a game. Yeah, and happen. I could feel that because we would go through like the same process every playoff game. Cause we weren't a high seed. We were like the eight or the seven or something like that. So we were on the road for every one of our games until the state final. And there was like a, a process of getting on that bus and you're like, okay, the second I step foot on this bus, I'm going to lock in. Even if it's for four hours on a ride up to Greenville, I'm going to, I'm going to lock in on this bus. And there was just a certain energy about us that wasn't the same on other teams. Cause we would go through the same process to get on our basketball bus. And it, it wasn't like, all right, we're going to win this game, even if it means that we have to, like, get our leg taken off or put our head through a brick wall, as our assistant coach likes to say. It, it was just a certain yeah, energy either, about, us. Sense about like, us. We though. were just ready to win. I think if you had so, – so the big, the big thing that keeps being brought up a lot about this team is that we started two and five, and then we ended the season on this massive run. You know, I think that, you know, there's something to be said about hitting your stride at the right time, you know, and, and I told you this from the beginning, I don't want to peak in September, you know, I want to peak mid-October. And that's when we did. And that's when everything just kind of felt like we were just, everything was working, everything we were doing was happening. The right I don't night. think that you know, once, the, the, one time when I was on the field, I wasn't like, man, we're about to lose this game. Every single time I was on that field, no, I no. was like, bro, this team can't touch us. We're going all the way. Hmm. Right, I remember like we, we had that that tough one at Trape. We lost one nil. We conceded real early. Yeah, and then Wyatt, and I mean, even, Wyatt went to striker and kicked four balls ten yeah, feet over we, the crossbar. I mean, we were we were, we were desperate. We threw everything. Shout out Wyatt. And I think that was that was. I mean, that was a good wake up call for us though too. You know, to kind of stay humbled a little bit and not, you know, get too far of our ahead of ourselves. Because I think we all kind of knew where we were going to be going for the playoffs, the route we were going to have to take to get there. And I think we knew it was going to be, it was going to be tough. It wasn't going to be easy by any stretch of imagination. It was, it's playoffs. You can't walk over anybody. And I think all, all the games were tough. And I think all the games did push us to our limits. And I think, I think again, the freedom piece that, that we kind of had amongst the group, like it's, it was a good camaraderie. I think everyone played for each other. I think everybody just did everything that was asked of them. And, you know, ultimately, like I've said from the, from the first day, you know, you're the guys driving the bus. I'm just the guy in the back seat going along for the ride. You know, you guys get to take this as far as you want to go. And, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I've always, I was always told you guys had a massive like disciplinary record, but I don't know if we got in trouble this year. I think we were, we were pretty well behaved. We definitely had, less we only had like cards three yellow cards all year. And you guys have had in years past. Yeah. We weren't bad. We really weren't bad. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, no, I think cause everybody wanted to play. I think everybody wanted to be a part of it. I remember, you know, saying to the twins, like, I can't have you missing games, the yellow cards. Like, we literally can't, like, we need you. We need you to be, you know, tuned in the whole time and just, you know, this and that. And, you know, it was good. It was a good, you know, it was a good season. And, you know, I, I will I will always remember, I don't remember what game it was, Jack, that you scored. It was, oh, it was Greenville. And Dimitri goes, man, he drives me crazy. But I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, go tell him that. And, uh... He's like, I'll... He goes, I will never tell him that. And that I was after the four-hour argument in the bus right up. I have never heard there. that um, story before. He straight up never told me that. 
But yeah, we did argue that entire bus ride yeah. up about um, who had better hair. And the answer is me. I have I have beautiful hair and I've been blessed. Like, but after that game, after that game, the, when I scored, uh, my mom was like taking pictures of the game and she was sitting within like the dog pound of Greenville fans. And I ran over to her and I, she, they had no idea that she wasn't from their town. And until that moment, and I like pointed at her and went and went and celebrated with my mom. And my brother was pissed that I didn't go to him. And then I went to my mom instead, or whatever. <laughs> um, Selfish. And, and so after I did that, after video. I did that, they were getting hostile with her and she was getting into fights on the sidelines, but she held her own. She's tough. It's, it's funny when you score in the state final, you watch like the, the, the cast from the television. You can see your brother running with you <laughs> on the sideline, or like on the bleachers with, with, with this, this phone out trying to film you. Wearing to, wearing my away jersey that probably hadn't been watched. Wearing, wearing, wearing your away yeah. jersey. <laughs> no, it's just it's it was a different it was a different group. Al. It was uh, it was a great first season there, and you know I couldn't have asked for you know obviously a better group of kids, better group of leaders, you know, better group of just just a whole you know slew of program of kids. I mean, everything has to work. I mean, you need a little bit of luck. You need a little bit of skill. You need a little bit of everything to make these things happen. And, you know, we had all those, you know, it was, ne- it was never, you know, one of those situations where you walk in and you're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to win states. We, we actually had a rule. We couldn't talk about states for yep. about a month. The word state championship was not to be brought up in training. It was not to be brought up in matches. We took it game by game and not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves. It was the, you know, the first two days of preseason, we talk, the kids constantly talked about choking three years in a row. And we're just like, we're done. We're done talking about that. Like, that's that's the past. We don't even know if we're going to get there. Like, let's just focus on what we can control right now. Um, you know, and then we got there, and then obviously we went down a goal four minutes in. Came back. And brought the team together. My, you know, yeah, I mean, rest is, rest is history after that, you know. Um, it, was, it was good. It was, it was, it was a, like I said, it was great to be a part of. And, you know, Al, what, what did you, I mean, you being a neutral party to Al, what, what did you think about it? I mean – me being me, you know, it was, it was, it was fantastic to get to, to, to see that whole culmination at, at the end when you guys, you know, finally got over the hump and won the state championship. And I, and I commend you for that, but I also thank you for that because I had to stay with Jack for the next like three days. And if you guys had lost that game, probably wouldn't have been super fun. Um, <laughs> you would have gone home, dude. I won't lie yeah, to you. Yeah, I, pr- I probably wouldn't have stayed. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, also from from me as a, as someone who is not a fantastic soccer player and coming from a program that is not a fantastic soccer program that won, I think, two games in, in my entire senior season. Um, you know, I, I mean, it was like the way that you guys moved the ball, the way that you guys played was just something different that I hadn't really seen. Um, and as Jack and I like to compare it, it's it's the comparison between, you know, um, NYA basketball and Foxborough basketball is like the same level of gap that um, NYA soccer has to Foxborough soccer. So it's I mean, not close. It's yeah. not close at all. It's it, yeah. like you guys, you guys, you know, I mean, it was something special to get to, to get to be there, to watch that final game and to watch, you know, um, all that work that you guys have put in for and for Jack, you know, for four years, you know, going there and not getting it done for four years. So, I mean, that was super special. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that, that you guys, you know, you got it, you got it done. So. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's move on from transition. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's transition from just talking about ourselves, which I'm pretty sure that we could do all day. I know I could. Um, into some, you know, like I'm not saying that we don't deserve to be in the Premier League, but I think that we should talk about the teams that are winning the Premier League because, you know, it's one thing to win a Class D championship, but it's another to be at the top of the Premier League table. And the race is pretty tight right now with Arsenal, Man City, and Man United in the top three. And I'm a delusional Manchester United fan. Alex is a suffering Liverpool fan. And you're a Swansea City yep. guy. And Swansea City hasn't been in the Premier League since I was since like Jesse Lingard was a starting Swansea midfielder City. at Man United. So, you know, just as a Swansea City fan who doesn't have a horse in this race, give us your, you know, like your perspective on the top three and where it's heading. I mean, it's close, man. It, it, it's, in my opinion, it de- it's definitely down to like a three-horse race, right? You've, you've got Arsenal on 54 points, City on 52, United on 49, right? Arsenal's got a game in hand. The goal differential favors City. You know, I think, you know, you look at like the next five games, I think are going to be extremely, extremely important, right? You've got Arsenal, who's got Leicester, Everton, Bournemouth, Fulham and Palace the next five. That could be right? They've already lost. They lost to Everton recently. But they should roll right? them. They should I mean, roll was, them the second time. I think that that's like home. not a. Yeah. You think, but it's it's, it's a yeah, it's game true. You just, you just never know. And then you got you got Fulham, right? Fulham's kind of come out of nowhere this year, and you know they're making a case for themselves. Yeah. I mean, Fulham's a year. pretty team. You know, who I mean, their goal differential is only plus five, but. They've won eleven games, but their defense and, is really good. Right, they got, so they're they a got great team that yeah, can, that can beat any. Team. They can beat any team in like a one nil or a nil nil draw kind of game. That's what they play for. You know, and the Fulham goalkeepers actually was Arsenal's goalkeeper. You know, um, Brent, Leno. Yeah. Brent Leno. You know, before he lost his job to Ramsdale. Yeah, right? before he went down, and right? Then, yeah, right. So I mean, you've got there's all these different you know, bits and pieces to it. And you've got Alexander Mitrovic, who's what tied for fifth and in, in goals right now in the prem. I feel like he's been around for a thousand years, right? He just goes up and down every year with Fulham. Right. So I, I think that's, that's probably the tougher one. And then palace obviously managed by Patrick Vieira, right. Who's also a former. Yeah. So like, it's like Patrick Vieira, right. He's the manager of, of palace, right. He's done a good job with them. He's also, again, he's an Arsenal legend, right. So I think, you know, that kind of plays into it a little bit, but, you look at City's next five, you know, a little bit more difficult, right? They've got Bournemouth, who, again, we know all about Bournemouth in that relegation battle right now. Newcastle, who, again, they're fighting for Champions League. You know, they've got a big matchup, you know, in a few weeks against United, man, right, for that League Cup title. Then, yeah, then they've got um, – and City's got Palace, West Ham, and Liverpool. And ironically, this is the fourth time City will be playing Liverpool this year already. Wow, and City's gotten them all three times. No, no, they've they've um, City's only beat them once, and it was in the um, in the FA Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. FA Cup. All right. They beat them three two in the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, so that I mean, playing a team four times a year is tough, and and I mean, who knows what happens with the Champions if they could play each other two more times, right? You know, and then United actually, I think, looking at these three teams, the next five games, I mean. United's got West Ham, Liverpool, Brighton, who's coming out of nowhere and playing real, real good football right now. Then Newcastle, then Everton. It's right? a tough slate. So, 
it's a tough slate for sure. But I think that this team is full of guys who have bought back into the culture that we saw at Old Trafford for so long. This is the first team that I feel like really are coming together and buying into the product. And I haven't felt this way about a United team in, in very long. Well, since I think that the, the Mourinho days. Yeah, I think that this is the first manager that you've had that has really gotten the players to buy in. You know what I mean? Like, it took a little bit. We saw, them, we saw them at the start of the season struggle. But I think that losing Ronaldo was huge for the squad. And now they've there's no best player on that team right now. I mean, obviously you could talk about Marcus Rashford, but And we will. They, and we they will. play as a team. They don't play as ten guys who pass the ball to one guy who needs to score. Yeah. Which is what they were doing in the last eighteen months. Well no, I think like you like you said, credit to both you for the for the ten head comment because again, you've had a manager who's just come in and it the I don't it was one of the few few games he started coaching. He, he benched Ronaldo and Maguire in the same game. Yep. And everyone's like, this guy's lost, lost the plot here. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. I forget who they're playing. They went out and smashed him. They beat him like 3 0. Ronaldo went yeah. in like the 88th minute or something like that. Yeah. I mean, credit to this guy. He's he's come in, you know, that he got a lot of, a lot of shtick, rather, for, for signing Lissandro Martinez, who, by the way, has been phenomenal. He's been good. Guy. One of the yeah. best defenders in the entire league. Right. And he, and he was, you know, ridiculed for his height. And, you know, people are going to whip balls in the box. And, you know, he's dealt with it well. And then he's brought out a whole new energy to, like, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they were ready to sell Wan-Bissaka last summer. They just thought he was kind of, like, you know, wasn't well, really didn't want to be there. the value. They thought, yeah. they, they thought Crystal Palace wouldn't take him back at that point, like the way that he was playing. Yeah, like, they, like they just they didn't, weren't getting performances out of him. And, and again, now he's, he's done really well. Wan-Bissaka's completely turned a corner over there. So, I think... You know, you can see the same about, about, the same about Marcus Rashford. He was he was not producing last year. He wasn't playing on the England squad at all because he wasn't playing well enough in league games to earn a spot on that team. And now he's in mm-hmm. miraculous form. And I know you're going to yeah. dispute that. Well, I, so let's yeah, let's hear it. Why do you hate Marcus Rashford? Oh, we doing? Oh, we're going? We're going now? We're going now with this? I, well, I let's, look look. I I don't hate Marcus Rashford. I I think. I think he's in a good run right now. I think he's. I think he's had a good bit of form. I think he's really. His career's revitalized. He, he's he's done some really good. I think he's what, scored in seven straight games. Seven uh, straight. I think it's like games. thirteen straight home. Is it thirteen straight home games? It's something yeah. ridiculous like that. Yeah, I just. I just don't think he's the best forward in the Premier League like you do, Jack. I I never said he's the most like talented forward. Like, obviously, Erling Holland is, like, the most unstoppable forward in the Premier League. But there's no arguing that Marcus Rashford's in the best form in the Premier League. Right now, yes. But let's see. I mean, let's see. Long okay, since the, World Cup, good... since the World Cup, he's played in 10 matches. He's got 10 goals. That's great. What were his numbers like before the World Cup? Not great. Not great. But I'm not arguing that he's the best so, forward. I'm arguing that he's in the best form. He's in, he's in, he's in the best form. He's in, he's in good form, right? But he's not not ranked as one of the, the best 30 players in the Prem right now. Like overall consistency from day one to, to where we are today. Right? He's very he's, – he's consistent right now. He's had a good month and a half. Good month and a half, two months, right? Let's see – 
how much longer he can do this because I, I personally don't think he can. And we've seen him go on runs like this before where he's unstoppable for two or three months and then doesn't score for two or three years. So well, I, look, I guess I you're right stick, about that. I would stick to your to your initial statement, though. I think that, you know, I think that there's a difference between saying he's the best striker in the Prem, which he's not. He's not the best striker in the Prem. I think Erling Holland's the best striker in the Prem, which I also want to ask you a question, Coach, about that in a second. Mm. But um, I think that saying that he's one of the most informed players in the Premier League right now is not a crazy statement if you look no. back at the, 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 the games that he's been playing. Not just one of the most. He is the most informed player. I agree. In the- I think he's the most informed player right now in the Premier League. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting to that point right now where it's like the odds to put money on Rashford to score a goal are dropping every day. They're, yes. like, they're just like, it's not even worth putting money on it anymore. Right? Like, I remember one point, Erling Haaland, the score was minus 275. Minus, no, he was minus 450 for one game. Yeah, that's, that's just that's crazy. Right? Your, your, your better odds are putting on to score two or more. Right, every game, and now, and again, he's he's a little bit different right now too. He hasn't been scoring as, as much as as well. He's cooled up. Yeah, and and I think a lot of it, we a lot again. of it now is. What's no, up? You're good. I have. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he hasn't been scoring at the same rate that he was at the start of the season. But then again, nobody has scored at the same rate that he was at the start of the season. No, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people want to attack attack him, they want to attack Pep Guardiola, they want to attack Man City, they, you know, is he the right player for that team, you know? Yep, blah, that's blah, what blah. I was, that's what I was about to ask you. I was going to say there are a lot of rumors about, you know, if Manchester City is better without an Erling Holland, who they, who they have. How could you even say that? Through. I know, but like, that's like the argument is that it makes them stagnant because they have one guy that they play through every time when they look to go forward. They've, I don't, was, I don't agree with that. There was a there was a big thing that came out saying that City conceded less goals last year, or have scored this close to roughly the same this year and last year together without a forward last year. Yep. And now they've got this world class forward, and they're actually performing. They're underperforming, I guess you could say, right? Because they're not top of the league. And so the whole thing is like the City mess up what. Or does Holland mess up what City, you know, wants to do? Because City's a possession-oriented team. You know, Holland's rapid, right? They wants to play in behind, wants to play in the shoulder, you know, shoulder last defender and get, you know, make it a foot race a little bit and, and play a little bit higher, right? City wants to connect passes and just kind of pass, 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 and you know that's why you know Holland's goal ratio is like he was getting four touches a game but two goals, right? Right. right. So it wasn't like he he was he was you know dropping deeper to combine. It's like a false nine like City had had you know, last year and whatnot. And now it's someone who wants to hang on the shoulder last defender and look to be, you know, threaded in behind by De Bruyne and whoever. And the teams are, are aware of that. They're sitting a little bit deeper and not letting it, you know, make it easy for them by any stretch of imagination. So City has to try to, you know, whip balls in the box and kind of be a little bit more patient and, and try to find a way to get them. But I think on the same token, you know, you are starting to find other players score a little bit, right? Like Grayler scored scoring the other day. You know, Myers has scored the other day. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to get other players involved as well. You know, Julian Alvarez is also a very, very, very good player. Yep. Yep. Right. I mean, he is, you know, just not, not as good as, you know, I mean, not obviously as good as Marcus Rashford, but like he has the potential to be very good in the future if he continues to stay at City. And 
the weird the weird thing about Erling Holland is what he's on a three year contract at City, two year contract at City, and his release clause is like it's not very high. But he, but I remember when he signed for City, he'd only been you know with them for about a month, and all these like rumors came out that he was already planning to go to Madrid. Like he wants to go win the Golden Boot in all five European top five European leagues. Yeah, that, you don't think he can do that? I absolutely think he can do that because he's what twenty two. Yeah. I mean, so he he won it. He won it in the Bundesliga before mm-hmm. coming over. Okay. Um, he'll win it. You know, he'll win it here. Yeah, actually, I don't know if he did win it in the Bundesliga. Actually, I think he might have been behind Lewandowski. Lewandowski yeah, I don't think he did I was going to say, no. I, I never thought that he was he healthy did. enough. Because he didn't, he didn't play full seasons for, for Borussia Dortmund. No. Or for Leipzig. Or for Leipzig, yeah. I think, I mean, he, he'll definitely do it this year here, right? He goes he to should. Spain. Yeah, he'll do he it should. in Spain. I just don't see, I just don't see him. Like, where's he going to go? He's going to go to PSG. Well, no, so let's eventually. talk about let let's stay on City for a second because, like, they're every year they're such a powerhouse in the league, but then they they've never had any European success. I, like, I what's mean, I think, them back? I think that's kind of you know misleading to say because I mean they have been to Champions League finals, they just haven't gotten over the the hump of winning the Champions League. You know, they they were there against Chelsea. They should have won against Chelsea. That was like their year to win it. And, um, you know, they did, they couldn't get it done. But, like, I still feel like saying that they've had no European success after, you know, going to, like, right. four straight semifinals yeah. is kind of kind of missing. All right, but compared to how many league trophies they've won in the past yeah, that's true. six years, comparatively, they haven't had nearly the same amount of dominance as they have had in the league. Well, I think the thing to remember is the, the Premier League is the toughest league, you know. In the world. In the, the world. Yeah. Right, without, without a doubt. Right, and so with, within it already being just the league itself being extremely difficult, right? We've got two cups, right? With the League Cup, the FA Cup, right? On top of that, right? You're playing 38 games a season, right? That year that City lost in the Champions League, they made it to the final of the Carabao Cup, and maybe the FA Cup as well, which is another six games each, right? So then that's what that's 50 games right there, not including the Champions League games where you, where you play at least six. Just to get out, there's 56 games right there. Then you've got to play two, two, and two. Another six. There's, 60, there's 63 games of a season from August to June. Yeah. And that's not counting you your think that they just ran out of gas. Right. That's not, that's not including, yeah, exactly. Not including international break rollies. I mean, these guys are gone. They're, they're playing 90 minutes. They're with their teams. And, you know, Pep's got to, you know, rotate players nonstop. I mean, the goal they, they conceded to, to Chelsea, that game was completely against the run of play. But that's what happens when you're, you know. All right, the... but but Chelsea is playing the same slate of games that they are. And didn't Chelsea no. win one of the domestic trophies that year? They could have. Um, I don't. And that was a that was a Chelsea team that was not nearly as talented on paper as that Man City team is. Well, they had Thomas Tuchel. You know, that's who's a, a fantastic that's right. manager. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah, it, everyone likes Thomas. So is Pep Guardiola. It's true. But Pep Guardiola also has a has a habit of um, overthinking when it overthinking comes to big games. That's true. It's definitely you know, true. There's a documentary on Netflix. I forget what it's called. It's like see the ball, keep the ball. Yes, it's and, about the Barcelona team. Right. And do you remember that the last part when they, when the players all knew it was Pep's last season, like how checked out he was? Yep. 
like he just you know he wasn't early to trainings like he had been he wasn't as energetic and all the kids all the guys on the team knew like you know this this is going to be it but there's this something he said yeah. like like that it was like the fourth or fifth year that he was there and like we're approaching that with pep like i think this is this is the fifth year and, and you're starting to see it's hard to say like you, you know you're seeing a decline right because well, especially, like, well especially even in just like his um, press conferences he's just like yeah. he hasn't been as energetic in the team well, well he texted even jared for slipping when the Liverpool lost the league that year. I mean, there's no reason for him to say that whatsoever. Well, especially with all the uh, the financial fair play stuff. Like, can you imagine if they get taxed points or they get relegated? Like, he's gone. You got to think that he's gone. His resignation's on your desk the next day. He doesn't well, – said- well, if you look at his record, he doesn't even like to stay with teams for more than a four- or five-year period. He was with Barcelona for how many years? Five, maybe six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Munich, and then he went to Munich, Bayern Munich, way. and he was there for the same amount of time. And he likes taking these teams, like these big clubs, to like Champions League success. And they like to, he likes to like rebuild these organizations almost. And he's coming to that period where he's rebuilt this team the way that he wants it. And I think that he's getting ready to move on to another team. Well, he's he was quoted in a press conference, I guess. A while ago, saying like if he ever found out the the city owners lied to him, about he would leave. Plan, yeah, he would leave. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I think that's kind of. I mean, we haven't heard anything else additional onto it, right? And I guess the you know the rumors are all swirling, saying the well, city will just pay off, you know, UEFA and everything like that, blah blah blah, blah. which which is whatever. I, I think interesting to see where that where that whole thing kind of pans out because you look well, at Chelsea. Really right is now. not. The yeah, same exactly. I was gonna say it. it, it I don't understand financial fair play, to be 100% honest with you. But, like, if you look at, like, what Chelsea's been doing to the transfer market, like, I feel like that's a lot worse for the league, no? Well, it's it's, – it's, you basically have to spend what you earn. Okay. Right? And so it, it, it comes in a two-year cycle. So I was talking to a friend of mine who's a massive Chelsea fan, and apparently this is the beginning of, like, a two-year cycle or however, however he was explaining it to me. So Chelsea can afford to spend all this money right now but will not be able to spend basically anything in the upcoming transfer windows because spend what you earn. Okay. Right. And so they'll be able to sell some players eventually to get them off the books a little bit. Cause again, then it's revenue when you sell players you're earning. Right. And then you have some success elsewhere. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting, you know, interesting discussion, you know, but then you look at like PSG is the same way. Yeah. You know, like they spend a ton of money every single year, right? Or even like Nottingham Forest. I mean, that, I think that probably plays in the whole two year conversation thing. I mean, Nottingham Forest have bought, what, 24 players? And they well, were in the championship like, this year. But that was yeah. like a massive mistake for them, I feel like, because they still start, like, what is it? Don't they start like um, seven of the guys that, that used to start for them? Like, I feel like they've yeah. had a lot, of, a lot of transfer flops this year. Yeah. No, I mean, Norwich a couple of years ago. You know, they had um, – I forget his name. Was, he was the manager. They um, were in the championship. Are you talking about Pookie? No, he was, the, he was the forward. But they basically kept the the team that brought them up, the Prem, they kept that team and yep. the manager, got relegated, went back to the championship, kept that team and that manager, and then went back up to the Prem again. And then got relegated and then again. <laughs> yeah, and then they've got new, but they've got a new manager. They're basically like – that's when they had Todd Cantwell, who was like supposed to be the next coming of you know English English football and everything like that, and he's kind of flopped a little bit as well. But no, it's it's you know English soccer, the Premier League, the, all the tiers that go underneath it, right? There's nothing else like it. 
Yeah, certainly. You know, there's just nothing else like it. And I think, you know, th- this title race is good. It's fine. It's good to have a big race again. You know, not a two horse race. It's good to have, you know, I'm glad United could finally join the ranks of everybody else and, you know, finally get themselves back up there, Jack. And, you know, certainly make this more interesting. You know, I think it's just, it's going to be tight over the next, you know, because Arsenal has a game in hand, right? So they're two points up ahead on City with a game in hand. Yeah. Right? And the game's, the game's going to be Leicester, right? So they could be five points once everybody's played 24 games and it's going to come down to, you know, a few of these games, right? Like, I still think that Everton won for Arsenal's tricky, man. You know, and then well, I think, I mean, United just has watching, Liverpool, Brighton, Newcastle, three in a row. Just watching United has become fun again. Like, I went through a period where I would turn on the TV to watch United game and all I would hear about is how terrible we are for 90 minutes every weekend. And it's just so much fun to watch this team again. And I've said this over and over again, and I will stick by it, that we are going to be incredibly dangerous next year if we stay with this group of guys that we have. We've seen the way that they've played when they've come together. And if they didn't have that lull at the start of the season, they would be up there at the top of the table, no doubt. Like, vying for number one. Um, how, how excited are you for the League Cup final against Newcastle, knowing that the goalkeeper is suspended? Uh, yeah, got, you're playing, you're playing Loris Karius, bro. Yeah, right. Liver, yeah. Liverpool <laughs> legend, Loris Karius. <laughs> was he the one that, uh, yes. that dropped the ball in the yes. Champions League final? Yes, he was. Don't stop talking about it. I'll tell you and, right now, that's one wait, of the... Wait, he's, he's of, in goal for Newcastle? He is, yeah. Because their oh, backup not. is hurt, and then their starter is on a red. Nick Pope is on a red? Yeah, Nick Pope is on a red. Yeah, and straight red. Three intentional, hand, intentional handball against uh, Liverpool. Dude, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, go off really the other to, to, It's to actually ride, so man. funny, yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm really excited. But it'll be a good game. Uh, Newcastle's a very good team. I but love Eddie Howe. is good absolutely manager. dreadful in finals. So. That, that was a weird final. Of all the Champions League finals I've watched, that might be the weirdest one. Very because strange. You had, you had Salah go down early. It looked like he like tore his ACL. And didn't Ramos not even get carded for that? I thought that he... No, he got like, a yellow. I think. Could have been a red, though. No, he didn't get a red. He didn't get no, a red. No, no, no. Like, he, yeah, he could have gotten a red. That was a weird final. Didn't someone didn't Gareth Bale score a bicycle kick in that final? Yeah, that was the bike. Yeah, that was weird. Carius dropped like two two goals. Yeah. Threw one off of Kareem Benzema's foot into the goal. Corner office listeners, if you made it this far, it means you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening and check out our Instagram for updates. See you in the next one.